Welcome to a single serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm a writer and freelancer based in Brooklyn, and I've been single for 11 years. Whenever I see content for single women online, it's about dating, how to date, where to date, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I think we deserve more than that. So on this podcast, it's my goal to expand what we talk about when we talk about being single and acknowledge the realities of it that non-single people don't get to see. I'll be joined every week by guests and we'll talk about the positives, the negatives, and all the parts in between, and hopefully laugh about them too. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi guys. Happy Monday. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, if you're not happy, whatever day of the week it happens to be, I'm really glad that you're here and listening to my podcast. Um, Today's episode is really cool. I don't really get into professional topics too much, or at least I haven't yet. And um, I want to do more of that. So today I am talking to a professional in the finance space, um, which is really cool because I don't know anything about that. And I like talking to people who know more than me and who have things to teach me. And I learned a lot throughout this discussion. I hope you guys also learn a lot throughout this discussion. And afterwards, if you still have questions, please get in touch with me because um, we can hopefully direct you to where you can get some answers. Um, Definitely not from me though, because we're about to talk about money and I don't know shit about money. So I'm not your girl. But um, before I get started with this episode, I wanted to say thank you to everyone who has left a rating and a review for this podcast and ask you, if you have not yet done so, to leave a rating or a review. I just got a text and you could definitely hear that, but whatever. We're just all the glamour here, people, all the glamour of podcasting. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. I will stop rambling and start the episode, but before I do, um, please feel free to follow the podcast on Instagram and join us in the Facebook group. Both are called A Single Serving Podcast and they're pretty easy to find. There are great communities in there of people who are supporting each other and um, just kind of hanging out online together and it's been really beautiful to see this community come together and I hope that you will join us. Today I'm joined by Katie Prentke English of Harness Wealth and the name should suggest to you that today we're going to be talking about money. I'm very excited to talk about this, not for myself because I hate discussing money in general, but when I decided that we needed to address this topic. I went into the Facebook group and I asked all of you to give me the questions that you wanted answered and you guys delivered in spades. So I want to let you guys know, I've already let Katie know this, but I want to let you guys know that all of the questions that we're about to discuss were written by you guys. They were all entirely crowdsourced and I'm really, really uh, grateful and happy to talk to Katie. So Katie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living? Sure. Um, I can start with a little bit of my background. Um, I've been in financial services my entire career, actually. Um, not necessarily by design, but it just ended up happening that way with some cool opportunities. Um, I started my career at JP Morgan. I was first in the investment bank, uh, and then I was an investor in the private bank. Um, and after that, I went to business school. I went back to get my MBA And coming out of business school, I went to American Express for uh, seven years and was in the New York office for a little bit doing some different roles. And then I was over in the UK um, doing some different roles with their international business. Um, And from there um, was the CMO of a robo-advisor in the UK called Nutmeg. It's Europe's largest robo-advisor, sort of similar to a Betterment or a Wealthfront that um, we have in the US. Um, And I actually moved back to New York in March. 
and have spent sort of the past year um, starting this business called Harness Wealth, which I'm really excited about. And I'm the CMO there um, and one of the co-founders. That's so cool. I might also have to ask you some questions about living abroad because moving to London is like one of my dreams. So I might have totally. to. Totally. I love living there. in London. Awesome. My husband's British. We we spent six years there. And so it was great. cool. Well, welcome yeah. back to the US. We're happy you're here and we're very, very happy to pick your brain about money. Yes, absolutely. Yay. So I will dive right in because there were so, so many questions and we could talk for three hours, but I know that you probably likely have a career to get back to, so I won't keep you for that long. But I will um, I will ask you the, the most recurring questions that came in when I posed this out into the Facebook group. So starting at a really basic level, um, we all want to know how to grow our money. And for a lot of us who, well, all of us who are single women are uh, singular income earners. and any amount of money is a lot of money when we're talking about investing, when we're talking about taking it out of what we have access to and putting it somewhere where it can grow, but it also at the same time, like can't help us pay rent. So we're interested in knowing basic tips that you have for single women in terms of growing our money and investing. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely simple tips to think about investing. And I think one of the first pieces is investing can feel like this scary, big thing. Um, and it really isn't and shouldn't be. And I think if you focus on little things that you can do on a daily basis, you actually find that you end up having a lot of impact. But there's two major things that I always tell people. The first is start early. Um, start putting money aside early because you're really taking advantage of compound interest. So you're making money on um, your returns, which is great. And what do you mean by start um, early? So sorry, but what do you mean by start early? So start saving early, um, whether it's for retirement, whether it's a savings account, whether it's investing. Um, and an example I like to give with that is if you start at the age of 25, saving $1,000 a year, um, you're going to end up having, if you assume the markets return about 7%, which is um, sort of a fair assumption, you'll end up having $215,000 by the age of 65. If you start at age 35 um, and you invest $1,000 a year, you end up at age 65 only having $102,000. And so um, you're investing in total about 10K less when you're 35, but um, you end up having about half of what you would have if you started earlier. And basically what compounding means is if you invest $1,000 and you earn a return on that $1,000, you start making money over the years on the return you're making. So your pot gets bigger and you start making money on that pot as it's bigger and bigger. And so I always say start early. Um, and I think a lot of people who are coming out of college or who are younger maybe don't necessarily think about that. And we don't always do the best job of educating people about that, but you can really see big benefits later on in life if you start early. And so assuming that we haven't started early, as most of this audience is already, we've already hit our 30s. And I know for myself, I did not start investing until I was into my 30s. And if we weren't able to invest in our 20s for whatever reason it is, um, are there is there anything different that we should do if we did not start early? I mean, it's, it's never too late. People shouldn't feel anxious if they haven't done something previously. You can't control what you did previously. You control what you can do now and what you can do going forward. Um, and that probably leads me nicely into the second piece of advice I always give people, which is make a plan. I think making a plan makes people feel more comfortable about what they're doing and also 
um, makes it a little bit less scary. Um, and, you know, make a plan about what your expenses are, what you can save, what you're saving for retirement. So you feel like you have a little bit more control over what you're doing with your money. And then within that, there's probably some important pieces to focus mm -hmm. on. Um, you should think about saving for retirement. And one of the things that's important to think about is, you know, there's tax benefits to that. There's employee matching associated with that. And that's really great. That's free money in a lot of ways. So you want to do that. The second is you want to focus on paying down debt. Um, typically debt rates are higher than expected personal investment rates. So you're better off paying down your debt than you are saving. Um, and then the third is think about emergency funds, you know, think about, how much money you need to put aside to make sure that if something happens, you feel comfortable and and covered. Um, but all of that falls into sort of this just bigger idea of give yourself a plan, sit down, look at what you make, look at what you spend, look at where you want to be, figure out what you need, figure out what you don't need, and get to a place where you feel like you can be comfortable with the plan you have. I have a question about that. So if we're looking at... I, I won't use the term average income because I don't know that that's a thing, but... If somebody is trying to build a plan for themselves where they're saving for retirement, they're paying down debt, and they're putting away money for an emergency fund, what percentage of our income should go to retirement? What percentage of our income should go to paying down debt? And let's assume for a second that there's no 401k program that we're working for because I've, I have had a lot of people ask me what to do if they don't have access to a 401k, if there's no matching, anything like that. Like what just if we're only operating on what we have and what we earn, what percentage should go to retirement? What percentage should pay down debt? And what percentage should go into like rainy day fund? Yeah. So let's tackle the what to do if you if you don't have a 401k separately, because we should talk about different options there, because there are some different options right. there. Um, I think it's really sort of dangerous to give prescriptive percentages okay. for things, but I can give you a sense of sort of um, how I would recommend you going through and talking about and talking about and thinking about things. You know, the first thing is you're thinking about, well, do I pay off debt? Do I save for retirement? Do I put money aside? Sort of the first thing is you just want to make sure that you're hitting your minimum payments for all your debt. You don't want to be in a situation where you're going into delinquency on your debt um, in order to save for your retirement. So that's sort of the first piece. The next step as you think about what you do can get a little bit more sort of complicated and situation specific. But generally speaking, what you want to do is, is, is start by thinking about taking advantage of retirement savings. And part of this will depend on if you have a 401k or if, or if you don't. And if you don't, what you're balancing between is um, how much money you gain from saving for retirement versus how sort of high the interest rate is on the debt that you have. So generally, the conventional wisdom is start saving for retirement and take advantage of that, then pay off any high rate toxic debt, then start thinking about an emergency fund, then sort of turn to lower rate debt. Um, but again, I want to sort of be careful about, um, you know, telling people something that's really broad, because a lot of this is situation specific. And what you really want to think about is, um, you know, what interest rates you may have for debt if you have it. And that will help you think about how you prioritize that, how much are you ultimately paying there. And then you want to balance it with any sort of compounding or tax benefit or employee matching that you get on the retirement side. 
Um, and, and then sort of beyond that, start thinking about emergency funds. And people tend, I tend to say, you want to have about six months salary as an emergency fund. Um, that's sort of what I think about personally, but you know, different people have different perspectives on what they may need depending on their financial situation. Sure. I think it's, it's also, a lot of this just feels really big from a high level standpoint. Like I know everyone is working really hard just to keep it together a lot of the time. Like we're all paying rent, we're all paying bills and we're all doing this on single incomes with no help and no safety net. And to fold a safety net into your own income, thereby taking money away from that and what you have access to on the day to day, I know can be a really scary thought for a lot of women. And I know I was really scared of that throughout my entire 20s. Um, and I really didn't start saving until in a, in a really like legitimate way. I didn't really start saving until I was in my 30s. And now I have a betterment and a wealth front. And those are so much fun just to check every now and then and be like, oh, look what I've accomplished. Um, for those who don't know, yeah. Do you mind telling people what like a betterment is? Because I know you can explain it far better than I can. Yeah, sure. The, the only one, the other thing I just want to mention, um, following what you just said, is debt and thinking about finances can feel really scary. I think the other pay, piece people should remember is, you know, the average millennial has thirty six k in personal debt. Like, uh, it's not something that is individual to you. It's something that a lot of people are tackling and a lot of people are thinking about. Um, and you know, so it can be scary. But again, like thinking about sort of what is my plan for this? How do I tackle this? Like, how do I get to a place where I feel comfortable with this can really sort of go a long way for your mental well-being as you think about tackling some of these big things. Um, but, you know, when you do get to a place where you are able to save and you are able to think about investing, a wealth rent or a betterment or other robo advisors like that are a really nice way for individuals to put money into a low cost diversified portfolio. So um, you generally speaking, go to these um, go to these sites and you give them a sense for what your risk tolerance is, what you're looking to save for, what your goal may be, um, and they help you through their technology, figure out the right portfolio with the right sort of risk rating to help you um, meet whatever your goal is. And then they have sort of a, um, a diversified group of ETFs, which are sort of low cost. They're called exchange traded funds. They sort of follow major indices. Um, and it's just a really nice way to um, start tapping into investing. And um, it, it's all generally pretty straightforward and pretty clear. And you can go into your account and you can see how you're doing. And there's different nuances to, to different sort of robo advisors out there. But on the whole, all of them are a really nice way to give people access to smart, low cost, diversified investing and keeping your costs down and being diversified um, and being at a risk level that you're comfortable with are three sort of really important keys to thinking about investing in the right way. Oh, for sure. And I also like that you can just set up an automatic deposit from whatever bank account you want into your betterment. And it just, without even you having to think about it, you're saving for retirement. It's, it's, I like that. I like that I don't have to constantly worry about it. I just sort of establish for myself what I can afford to put in there every month. I set up that situation and it just does it for me. And then every now and then I can check my betterment and see what's happening. And it's like, it does feel really good to feel accomplished in that way. Yeah. Um, and they make it really easy. And I had, I was always very, in, in my twenties, I was very intimidated by investing. That was something that like my grandfather did. That wasn't something right. that I was ever going to be able to do. And I still, it's still very low 
uh, volume, but it's something. And I think if anybody's intimidated by investing, Betterment and Wealthfront and, and things like that are a really great place to go just to get started. And that's um, a big thing. Like investing shouldn't be what your grandfather did or sort of this male dominated um, space. Investing should be for everyone. Investing should benefit everyone. And, um, you know, whether you're using a robo advisor, whether um, you have needs that necessitate a financial advisor to help you, you know, getting those solutions in place and making it really easy for you is a nice, is just a nice way to feel comfortable about where you are. I mean, yesterday, the markets were down, the, the markets were down, um, the most all year, you know, the market sort of plunged yesterday. And I think people who have an advisor who's helping them manage to their plan and people who are using robo advisors, you know, may feel a little bit more comfortable with the fact that I have a plan in place. I know what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to worry about different fluctuations in the market or, um, you know, anything else getting in the way of, of what I'm planning to do. Absolutely. And you can also see recovery. When you have an investment account that you can access on your phone, you can start to see like, I've seen dips before and I've seen a little bit of a loss before, but I've always seen it go back up and go past where that loss was. So you start to be like less nervous in that way, if that makes sense. Yep, absolutely. I mean, dips happen in the market. I think over time we've seen you know, the market always sort of steadily increasing and we never know what the market's going to do tomorrow or in a year or, you know, in two years. But part of the benefit of having a diversified portfolio, again, whether it's through a robo-advisor, whether it's through a financial advisor, um, is that you're able to diversify some of that risk and you're sort of able to be thoughtful about um, the right package of investments to get you where you want to be. Very cool. I'm going to switch our gears over to a different kind of investment altogether. Um, This is one that is very alien to me because I have no aspirations of this whatsoever in my own life, but a lot of women asked for thoughts and advice around home ownership. And the biggest question was, can a single woman ever own a home? And I think the answer there is yes. I know the answer there is yes, but I think really the question is how. The answer is definitely a resounding yes. And actually, uh, we did a survey of um, a sort of a broader Gen X population of individuals between the ages of 35 and 65. And one of the things we found in that survey is that uh, the percentage of single women purchasing a new home in the past year was exactly same the same as rate the rate for single men and for married couples. And I thought that was fantastic because, um, you know, home ownership is not just meant for married couples or single men. It's meant for everybody. Um, and so I really liked that set. I was excited to see that. Um, but as you think about home ownership, you know, there's financial aspects to consider and there's personal aspects to consider, you know, on the financial side, owning a home can be, can end up being a really nice investment. Uh, real estate has historically been a great investment. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to continue that way going forward, but you know that, instead of paying money to rent, so paying money to someone else, you're actually paying money that goes into an asset that you own that has sort of intrinsic value to it. And there's um, there's lots of benefits uh, to that, generally speaking. I think as you're thinking about owning a home, you need to sort of think about from a budgetary perspective, what works for you, um, you know, how much you can pay in terms of a down payment. You need to think about picking the right mortgage. Um, you need to think about sort of... Um, 
what your ongoing mortgage payments will look like and whether that fits into your budget. You need to think about what type of rate you want with your mortgage, whether fixed or variable. And then the other big thing is there's just lots of one-off and sort of ongoing home costs that are just outside of mortgage payments. You need to think about property taxes and maintenance. Uh, You need to think about home insurance. And then there's a bunch of one-off costs related to things like closing costs and real estate agent commission and things like that. So you have to sort of look at that broader picture um, and figure out what works for you and what works for your budget. And then, of course, there's sort of the personal side of it, which is to say, you know, buying a property makes a strong sort of commitment to a specific place. And you generally want to hold the property for at least five years just because of all of the one-off costs associated with it. And you need to sort of think through whether or not this is a place you want to be in, or if you moved somewhere else, you know, are you comfortable renting it out? Um, And sort of some of the personal components of um, taking a decision like that. And are there any resources out there that you feel good about when when you talk about all the other costs associated with homeownership? What it sounds like to me, and I don't think that this is accurate, but it sounds like homeownership in general, even if your monthly mortgage payment is similar to what you might have been paying in rent, there are quite a few other costs associated with homeownership. And to me, that sounds like owning a home is more expensive. But I think also on the other side of things, owning a home is a smart investment for all the reasons that you just listed. So I, I wonder if there's a place where women or anyone can get advice on all the sort of satellite costs of owning a home that can help them budget for that. Absolutely. There's tons of good places. Um, there's multiple calculators out there that can help um, help sort of identify what those costs can be. I think um, one of the nice things is there's tons of resources out on the web um, for thinking about what that looks like. Another kind of saving and investing, um, we touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to specifically get your thoughts on how single women should be saving for retirement when they don't have a 401k? Yeah, sure. Um, So when you don't have a 401k, um, there's other options that you can use. There's um, IRAs uh, and Roth IRAs that are great opportunities for people to make investments. And um, my recommendation would be, you know, depending on your circumstances, um, either think about a traditional or a Roth IRA. Um, and those are tools. A traditional IRA, you make uh, contributions with pre-tax earnings. Um, and with a Roth IRA, you also make contributions with pre-tax earnings. But when you take your money out, it's entirely tax-free. Um, and so both of those tools are great. There's limits to how much you can put in, but um, sort of contribution limits. And it sort of depends on how much uh, you make as a single individual to determine whether or not you can contribute to a Roth. Mm -hmm. But um, you definitely should be building out IRAs and taking advantage of the tax benefits of those. And where does somebody go if they want to set up an IRA? There's a lot of different places. Vanguard is a good place to set it up. They tend to have really low fees. And is there anything in regards to saving for retirement that is discussed more with couples and less with single women? Or the other side of that question is, is there anything that single women specifically should be doing in saving for retirement that isn't widely discussed? Yeah, I mean, not just retirement, but I think a little bit more broadly, um, as you think about sort of how you plan for later years, there's probably a couple of components that people should think about. Um, and I think sometimes single women may not think about. Um, the first is insurance. Um, 
you know, if, if you're single and have no children or dependents, you may not need life insurance necessarily, but there's things like disability insurance and long-term care insurance um, that you may want to consider, particularly sort of if, um, you know, you're solely dependent on your own income and something happens to you. Those are things to think about. I think the second is around estate planning and I sometimes hear a single woman say, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to think about this because I don't have any kids or spouse to pass things on to. But, um, you know, making sure that if something happens to you or later in your life, you have a plan in place for whatever loved ones um, you want to sort of give your assets to is, is really sort of important. And um, you want to be thoughtful about that. Um on the financial side, things are generally less complicated for people who are single. You know, you aren't thinking about planning for two people's careers or lifespans or whatnot. You know, what I would say there is, um, you know, you want to think about either putting money into a 401k or as we talked about before, if you don't have um, that through your employer, you want to make sure that you're really maxing out contributions to either a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And is there any other kind of saving for the future other than 401ks and Roth IRAs or traditional IRAs or um, homeownership? Is there any other key investment that single women could make that would be smart in terms of planning for the future? Or are these really the core ones that we need to know about? So those are the core ones that I think you want to prioritize. But if you feel like you're in a good place um, with those areas and you have sort of additional income that you can, you want to sort of think about what you do with, um, you know, that's, that's great to carve out pockets for just broader investment portfolios. And so that you can make sure that you're sort of maximizing um, what you're doing with that additional income that you have. Um, and, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can manage that. You can get a financial advisor to help you think about how to manage that money. Um, you can use robo-advisors to help you think about how to manage that money, depending on what your circumstances, um, you know, one or the other may make sense for you. Um, but that's, that's sort of, once you get sort of the basics down and you feel comfortable around where you're looking from a retirement perspective, that's sort of the next step is thinking about, um, investment portfolios. I'm really fascinated by saving for retirement because I'm I'm very unfamiliar with, you know, what is the target? Like what should everyone have saved for retirement by age 65 or whatever age we intend to retire at? Um because I don't really hear a dollar amount thrown out ever, really. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes dollar amounts aren't thrown out because it's so specific to individuals, but the way you think about what you need for retirement is, you know, think about the timing for when you want to retire, think about um, what your expenses are as an individual. And then, you know, there's life expectancies associated with women and men, which sounds a little bit morbid, but you want to think about sort of the period of time that you can be, you'll be living off of retirement. And uh, you sort of want to back that out and say, okay, well, if I want to retire by 65 and, you know, I expect to live for 35 years and my annual expenses are X, Y, Z, and I want to be able to do this and this and this when I retire, um, then you know where you want to get to. And, um, you know, you can start thinking about and backing out, okay, how much do I need to contribute or how much can I contribute and does it get me where I need to be? And there's lots of tools out there that can help people figure out how to get where they need to be and help you understand um, different projections for um, 
sort of depending on what you're uh, contributing to retirement, what that will get you in the future. Um, and I think oftentimes we hear from people sort of wanting to understand, am I putting my money in the right places relative to my peers? You know, am I saving enough for retirement or should I be thinking about a primary residence or investment accounts? And actually one of the cool things that we just launched is a tool that helped people do that. So you can sort of put in information about yourself and you can see what your current asset allocation looks like. And you can also compare that current asset allocation to your broader peer set and sort of the broader US peer set um, for you. And it gives you a sense of, you know, what yours looks like and what others are doing and maybe identify some places where maybe you think you need to invest more time um, and whatnot. But it's sort of a cool way to, to understand where you fall a little bit. I think that's incredible. I think so much of this is a closed book and that's what makes it so, so frustrating and so scary. It's like, it's not, people don't talk about money. It's an uncomfortable topic and it has been forever. And I love that there are resources for people that are getting into the details of investing and money because I don't see the need for secrecy. I see the need for as much information as possible. Exactly. I mean, nobody likes talking about money and that's one of the reasons why we started our businesses. We wanted to help people get access to better advice and just get more transparency as they think about um, the right financial advisor or tax planner or sort of trust an estate attorney and help them figure out, you know, who are the best people? You know, what do they look like? What do they charge? Um, how do I figure out the right one for me? Um, you know, how do I figure out what my asset allocation should be? What tool should I be considering? And, you know, people don't necessarily like asking their friends or talking to their friends about it. And, and that was part of the reason why we started our business is because we really wanted to empower people to feel like they were doing everything they needed to do with their hard-earned money. You know, you work hard for your money. You want to sort of use it in the right way. And I think everyone has this sort of niggling feeling in the back of their mind that they're not doing things right or they should be doing things better. And it, there's a lot of anxiety around it that we really sort of wanted to help people with. That's amazing. It's all very, the actual connecting of people to resources is something that fascinates me because I, if I needed a lawyer right now, I would be so scared to hire one. And I used to be one, like that shouldn't be the way that this works. Like it should just be very accessible and it shouldn't be terrifying in terms of, you know, should I hire an advisor for this? What's that going to cost? Can I afford it? Is this too much for me? Like what, you know, there's the distance between- Or are they good? Oh, are yeah. they going to do a good job managing my money? Are they going to put me in things that are right for me? I mean, yeah, there's tons of questions like that. Are they going to make bad decisions on my behalf or whatever it is? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's super important. And I think, you know, we've spent a lot of time making sure that we bring in the best people so that the people that we work with are really comfortable with who they're using and, and they know that that person is going to do the right thing for them. And, you know, they can, they can feel much less anxious about how to manage their money or think about retirement and they can spend their time focusing on the stuff that matters. Well, that is a brilliant segue into my next question. So who should we be talking to about money? Like who is the actual individual that anyone listening to this podcast should be speaking to if she needs financial advice? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but I think we're a great resource for that. I mean, we, we built this business to be that person. 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm proud of what we build. I'm proud of our business. I think we do a great job of that. But we built our business to be a place where people can go to get financial advice. And I think sometimes, you know, individuals just want to talk to a person. And I think sometimes individuals have um, enough complexity that it's really important to talk for, to a person. And so if you're looking to get financial advice, you know, we're a resource that you can come to and you can um, tell us a little bit about yourself and our algorithm will take all that information and we'll pair you with the right advisor to best meet your needs. And all of the advisors we bring on our platform are sort of the best of the best. We, we go through an extensive due diligence process to bring them onto the platform and we know that their incentives are aligned with the incentives of, of customers. So that's one great way. Um, if a financial advisor isn't right for you, in a lot of cases it isn't, you know, oftentimes um, you tend to be at a certain level of investable assets where it makes sense to use a financial advisor. There's lots of different digital tools out there, whether or not it's robo advisors that can, um, you can input information and get some advice around it or, um, you know, it, something of that nature but there's like the great thing is there's so many more businesses out there that can help people think about financial advice whether or not you want to talk to a person and, and need someone who can help manage on an ongoing basis or whether or not you know you're sort of comfortable using a robo advisor to help you sort of think about your needs and are you guys are you guys somebody that we could reach out to to figure out whether or not we need you <laughs> are you comfortable telling people like we're not the right place for you to be spending your time and money right now, but here are some options for you. Absolutely. Like we're, you know, again, like financial advisors or, or CPAs or trust and estate attorneys, they may not be right for people at different stages of their lives. And you we would never want to push someone to a solution that isn't right for them and doesn't make sense for their needs. And again, you know, we tend to say for our product, you know, if, if you have a higher level of investable assets or just more complexity it makes a lot of sense to consider a financial advisor. You know, if you don't, if things are quite straightforward for you, if you either have a good solution that you're doing yourself, or if you sort of have a good digital solution, then fantastic, use that. Um, you know, you want to think about the fees that you're paying versus what you're getting. And, you know, the, that needs to make sense for you as an individual. All of this sounds amazing to me. In my head, I'm just like, absolutely terrified of everything that we're talking about. But it is comforting to know that there is a very um, easy to connect with solution for this stuff if and when I'm ready to dig into it. Um, absolutely. One really interesting question that came in through the Facebook group is, what are your thoughts on non-romantic partnerships as they relate to investing and to home ownership? Because I think there are a lot of women out there, and certainly in my Facebook group, that would love to invest in property or whatever else it is with someone who's not their romantic partner. And I, I don't have a lot of experience in that. And I was wondering if you do or if there's anything um, about that arrangement that you would want single women to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, that's not something that I've done myself, but I think that's certainly things that people do. I think there's considerations that you want to think about when you do that. I mean, the first is that, um, you know, investing together, home ownership together, that's a business decision. It's it's something that you and, and whoever you're doing it with need to feel comfortable about and need to be aligned with. And, you know, to be honest, in a lot of cases, it makes sense probably to have 
uh, a written agreement in place so that if you disagree on things or if there's any confusion about how it works, you know, you have that resource to help sort of dictate how things go. Um, and it's also, you know, property ownership can be a long-term thing. And so you want to really be thoughtful about going into any decision you make with uh, friends or colleagues or whoever it is about investing together or home ownership together, um, you know, thinking about it in the long term and being thoughtful about it um, and making sure that you guys are all on the same page initially going into it and about um, you know how it works and I have friends who have done this and it's worked incredibly well and I have friends who've done this where it hasn't worked as well and I think as much as you can align on things up front and get sort of the right agreements or processes in place um, ahead of it is important on the investing side it sort of depends a little bit on what you're doing, but you know you do need to form an LLC if you want to sort of technically invest together. And there's some legal components about that that you probably need to think about depending on what you want to do. So that's sort of one caveat there. Um, but you know, adding friends to the mix, you to the mix, you can increase your power. You can do more. You have sort of bigger pools of capital to bundle together and whatnot um, than you could as an individual. And so you know, that opens up a lot of different opportunities. One follow-up on the LLC component. So you're saying that friends that invest together, like let's say I was to buy a house with my best friend, we would need to form an LLC together first? Uh, Not for home ownership, but if you sort of want to invest as a broader group together, you need to form an LLC. And there's sort of nuances to that. And I would sort of recommend anyone thinking about that, getting some legal advice around it. For sure. Um, but that is sort of broadly speaking a consideration you need to make if you're if you're making sort of financial investments together, which is I would distinguish from home from home ownership. That's really interesting. I've never heard that before, but I'm I'm now I'm fascinated about this. I, I think it came up because when we talk about relationships, we realize the length of a lot of the friendships that we've had they've outlasted any romantic relationships we've had <laughs> right. and they're kind of like a safer bet in many ways. And I'm also absolutely fascinated with the seven women in China that invested in property together and created this stunning mansion that they all intend to grow old and die in as friends. Right. Which is fantastic. Oh my God. I want this to be like, I, I want there to be a betterment for girlfriends who want to buy property and die in that property one day. <laughs> I think it's absolutely brilliant. I want somebody to like create that startup right now. So before I let you go, is there anything else that we have not discussed that you would like single women to know about their day-to-day finances, their you know future-focused finances, anything like that that we haven't discussed yet? I mean, I guess the only other thing I'd add is that, you know, the good news is single women nowadays are the most financially independent generation we've ever seen, which is just wonderful and exciting. Um, but there's still a lot more that we can do. I mean, I sort of mentioned earlier a survey that we had done, um, you know, sort of a broader survey of individuals. And, you know, what was exciting is, you know, more single women said they knew a lot about investing than married women. And we want to fix that because we want everyone to sort of know a lot about investing. Sure. Um, but, you know, you have a lot of single women out there who are doing really well and are financially independent. And, um, you know, I just want to see that number continue to sort of grow. And, you know, more broadly, I think we need to be spending time focusing on education around financial planning and making people feel less scared and more confident and more comfortable with what they're doing. Um, And I think we have a ways to go, but, you know, 
we've also come a long way and that's fantastic. To that end, where can everybody reach out to you and your company? How can everybody um, get in touch? Yeah, sure. Our business is called Harness Wealth. You can reach us at www.harnesswealth.com. We also have active Twitter presence and Instagram presence and LinkedIn presence. So you can find us at Harness Wealth um, in all of those areas. Um, And I think we've built some really cool tools and really cool content to help people just be a lot smarter about their finances and sort of feel confident that they're taking advantage of all the things that they need to with their finances. The content manager in me is very happy that you have such a broad presence everywhere. This is making me very, very overjoyed. I'm so glad to hear <laughs> Good. This. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining me and for answering the Facebook group's questions. I know they are really going to appreciate this. Um, and if anybody reaches out and, and gets in touch with me and has questions, I will send them to you. But in general, um, thank you again. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about money stuff with us. Yeah, it's been great to be on. Thank you for having me. And if there are any follow-up questions that people have about anything that I've said or we've discussed here, please feel free to reach out. I'm happy to answer or clarify or um, help in any way that I can. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.